The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. Good morning. Good morning to our Story City family, those of you in Los Angeles. And I know there's a lot of you watching uh, all over the place, not just here in L.A. We'd love to know where you're from this morning, by the way. If you're on Facebook, why don't you just take a moment and just share what city you're in and where you're watching from. We'd love to know as a staff. We have staff and pastors on our Facebook feed, and we would love to know where everybody is tuning in from. Well, I hope you're having a a great Sunday morning. Um, I know we're still in this season, and uh, we're being told that in Los Angeles, we're not expected to peak here uh, for another three weeks. I have friends who are in New York City and uh, they're expected to peak this week. I have a friend this very week, this last week, who buried somebody in their church uh, from coronavirus. I have another pastor friend in New York who said this week he had seven people in his church who have coronavirus. I know there's a lot of needs in this season. That's one of the questions that I'm asking. I know all of us are probably asking a question very similarly. What, What are the needs? What do people need? And that's a question that I'm asking right now. What do people need? People need masks, People need uh, grace for their mortgages and their loans. Uh, Small businesses need uh, small business loans. What do my kids need? What do people around me need? It's a question that I'm asking right now. And I know many of you are asking the same question because you're asking us, what do people need? And so we're asking this question in this season. What do people need? It's a question I'm asking about our church It's a question that I'm asking about our city. What does our city need? And so this morning, I want to preach a message titled, The Church That Every City Needs. I believe in a time of crisis, every city needs a church. And so I want to share with you this morning from Colossians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you're sitting wherever you are in your living room, I want to encourage you to go ahead and take that Bible out. Open it in front of you, and I want you to read the words with us this morning from the pages of Scripture. I believe the most important words that are spoken this morning are from the pages of Scripture, and I want to encourage you to open up a Bible if you have one this morning and read with us. It's just four verses. The title of the sermon this morning is The Church That Every City Needs in a Crisis. Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2, this is what the Scripture says. And we're going to go verse by verse this morning, through four verses, there's only four of them. The scripture says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. You know, there's a unique blessing to the season that we're currently in. And the blessing in this season that we're currently in is something that we call stillness. (laughs) Uh, Some of you may not call it stillness right now. If you have kids, you may call it stir-crazy. But some of you uh, and some of us this morning are in this season that we call stillness. Some of you probably have not yet realized the stillness of this season because maybe you're still worried about your finances. Maybe you're worried about your health. Maybe you're worried about your mortgage. Maybe you're worried about your rent. Maybe some of us still have not yet realized the blessing of this season that we call stillness because you're worried about things you can't control. You're worried about things that are out of your control. They're affecting your mind. They're affecting your sleep. They're affecting your thoughts. They're affecting what you post on Facebook. But there's a unique blessing in this season that we call stillness. There's a stillness like we've never seen before in our lifetime. 
You know, when you read in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you read the Bible and you read the life and the ministry of Jesus, we see these moments of stillness scattered all throughout the life of Jesus. We see these moments in the life and the ministry of Jesus. I want you to notice Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, the Bible says, and he prayed. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23 says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. Verse 23, And after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountainside by himself, the Scripture says, to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. John chapter 6, verse 15. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself, the Bible says, alone. We see Jesus slipping away to these moments of stillness all throughout the Gospels. We see him slipping away to these moments of prayer all throughout the scriptures. If I ask you just three weeks ago, what prevents you from moments of stillness and communing with God? Probably all of us would answer something like, well, I'm just too busy. I've got too much going on. I'm, I'm working multiple jobs. I'm, I'm overcommitted to things in my life. You know, the normal routine of life that we experienced just three weeks ago, four weeks ago, in the normal routine of our life, our biggest problem with getting still with God was our busyness. But the gift of this season, the gift of the season that we're currently in is, is stillness. You can finally cultivate what it is that you've always been longing for, but the normal routine of life never allowed you to have. I read this book when I was in seminary. It was by a man named Brother Lawrence. And this is a great quote in, in this book. He said, There is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. You know, in the normal routine of life that was just four weeks ago, it seemed like everything in life mitigated against this stillness and this communing with God. But only, if only we could understand how valuable these moments of stillness are to us. If only we could understand how valuable it is that we need to watch over our souls. So when we read the life of Jesus here and we see these still moments where Jesus had with the Father, what we see is these still moments oftentimes preceded something extraordinary in the life and the ministry of Jesus. It preceded something extraordinary in the history of the expansion of Christianity. Luke chapter 6, for example, Jesus peels away to pray. And after he prays, while he's alone, something extraordinary happens. One day, soon after Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night, a moment of stillness. Look what happened. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. Then the night that Jesus celebrated the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper together, 24 hours away from going to the cross. Listen, then Jesus went with them, Matthew chapter 23, to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Moments of stillness. If he only understood the value of these moments of stillness. One man said, our prayers lay the track down on which God's power can come. 
like a mighty locomotive. His power is irresistible. But listen to what he says. But it cannot reach us without rails. These moments of stillness and prayer and solitude and quiet with God are the rails on which God's power rides. Another man said, time spent alone with God is not wasted. It changes us. It changes our surroundings. And every Christian who would live the life that counts, I want to live a life that counts. I know you want to live a life that counts. And who would have power for service must take time to pray. We will never have these moments of stillness in our lifetime ever, ever again. For most of us, we are as slow today in our daily life as we have ever been. For some of you, I know that's not true. Some of you in our midst are probably busier than you've ever been. But I believe for the majority of us who are watching today, we will never have these moments of stillness and solitude ever, ever again. So why is this important this morning? And especially, why is it important for our city? And here's why. Our city needs you to watch over your soul. Our city needs you to watch over your soul. A city in crisis needs a church that's watching over our own soul first. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10 tells us, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all of the earth. When you're still before God, When you're still before God and you're watching over your own soul, you're aware of the opportunity that God places before us. You're aware of the opportunity of this moment. And so the rest of the passage really doesn't make sense unless we're watching over our soul first. Unless there is this this Holy Spirit of God prompted obedience in our life, the rest of this passage really is difficult and really doesn't make sense. The first thing our city needs from us as a church here in Los Angeles, wherever you're watching around the world, what your city needs and what my city needs is for you and I to watch over our soul in this moment. Because when we watch over our soul, I believe it leads to what we see in verse 3. Verse 3 tells us, and pray for us, Paul says. Pray for us too, he says, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim. What may we proclaim? What is the message that Paul was trying to proclaim? What is the message we are trying to proclaim? It's not just you should be healthy. It's not just you should stay at home. It's not just how to not be stressed. The message, according to Paul, is the mystery of Christ, he says in verse 3. For which, by the way, he says here, he's also in isolation. He says he's in chain. Now listen to verse 4. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly. As I should. I I think too often churches just simply exist in a city. And I think in times of crisis are times when the church should rise up and be the ones who should point people to hope. It should be the time where we point people to love. In the midst of chaos, we say, I know where hope can be found. I've thought a lot over the last couple weeks about, about my hope. I've thought a lot over the last few weeks as we're in isolation and we have time to be still. I've thought a lot about my hope. I hope you have too. 
As I think about my hope, I can't help but reflect on others as, as I see how other people are responding. I'm, I'm, I'm grieved at times as I watch believers and how they're responding, particularly believers that are so worried about things that they cannot control. I know that's a reality for many of you. I even had that conversation with people this week who were so worried about going. I understand that, but I'm grieved for believers who are so worried about things they cannot control. It grieves me to see believers. It grieves me even to see a pastor this week who's pointing people, stoking fear in people by pointing people to governments and conspiracy theories rather than pointing people to hope. Our city needs churches who will point Point people to hope. I've thought a lot about it over the last few weeks. I saw somebody post this week. What would you do if the internet went down and you, and you couldn't do church as you normally do? Well, number one, we would get creative, but number two, we would do exactly what we are currently doing because we don't have anything else to do. It's what we always want to do, whether we're in a crisis or we're not in a crisis. We point people to hope. We point people to trust in Jesus. It's simple. I do the same thing we're currently doing, what we've been doing. We point people to the same reality that we've always been pointing to. Hope in God. Trust in God. Depend on Jesus. What else is there for a church to point people to? If the worst thing imaginable happened to us today, if the government turned on us, if, if, if a nuclear bomb was dropped on us today, if the zombie apocalypse happened today, if the worst thing imaginable happened to us in our country, if the internet went down and you couldn't contact friends, if the world ended today, by the way, that's not the worst thing that can happen it's not the worst thing that could happen, especially for a believer. It's the best thing that could happen. Why? Because I know what happens next. We're in the presence of Jesus. We're standing with Jesus. I know what happens next if the worst possible thing imaginable happened to us today. There's no more worry for a believer. There's no more hurt for a believer. There's no more crying for a believer. There's no more stress for a believer. There's no more health concerns for a believer. Why? I'm standing with Jesus. Isaiah says our lives are like things that are written in the sand and the tide eventually washes away. Or like the green grass that's, that's beautiful in one season but, but, but it's gone in the next season. All of us are going the same way. Historians tell us that in the history of humanity, 100 billion people have lived. Currently on our planet right now, 7.5 billion people live, meaning approximately 92% of people who have ever lived are already dead. There are people who at one time were young, People who at one time had jobs, people who at one time had families, people who at one time worried about their health, people at one time who worried about their finances, people at one time who thought, I'll never get old, people at one time who thought, I'll never be, uh, have problems in life, people at one time who thought all the same things you're thinking today, but now they're gone, and there's only one question that matters to them, and it's eternal questions. See, there are two things in life that will last forever. The Word of God will last forever and people's souls will last forever. 
as a church, those are the places where we need to be investing. Those are the places where we need to invest our time. Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 4, work while it is day, for the night is coming when no one can work. British missionary C.T. Studd once wrote in a poem, only one life to live will soon be passed. There are two things in life that last forever, the Word of God and people's souls, and those are the places that we need to be investing in. Paul says in this passage, pray that God would open a door for us to speak the Word, the mystery of Christ. Can you understand this morning? That's a prayer that's not just for Paul. That's a prayer that's not just for you this morning either. That, that's a prayer this morning that's for your neighbor. That's a prayer this morning that's for your family member. That's a, a prayer this morning for people that you love. That's a prayer this morning for people that you live around. That's a prayer asking God to open the eyes and the windows of the souls of those people you love and those people you live around. Here's the second thing our city needs in a time of crisis. Our city needs you to pray for them to have eyes that see hope. Our city needs you to watch over your soul. Our city needs for you to pray for people around you that their eyes would be open to see hope. Church, I want you to listen this morning to Paul's heart. Just hear Paul's heart beating. He's speaking to us this morning. He's speaking to us this month. He's speaking to us in the middle of this crisis, and he's saying to us, time is precious He's saying to us, fulfill the role that you have today. Some of us would say, my goodness, I can't believe I'm living at a time like this. And I would say 100% yes. Can you believe that God chose us to live in this world, in this city, and this town, at this time, to be beacons of hope and beacons of light to people around us? God has chosen us. And Paul is saying to us this morning, time is precious. Fulfill your role this morning. I don't want you to be fooled this morning. Between now and the end of this week, there will literally be thousands of you who are watching this video in front of a screen. Do not be fooled this morning. The church is not an audience. The church is an army. The church is not an audience. The church is an army. And as the church, we follow the lead of the Holy Spirit of God to spread the gospel in our city and around the world. These are moments that we are living in, that we should be believing in God and trusting in God with first century type of faith that Paul is talking about here. Paul says when he opens up the book of Colossians in chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, listen to what he says. He says, I rejoice that the gospel is growing deeper in you and wider in the world. That's who we are. That's who we are as a church. We, we grow deep. That's what he's talking about in verse 2. He's talking about nourishing your soul. He's talking about watching over your soul. That's who we are as a church. We go deep. But he's also saying we also grow wide. We're an army. We're not an audience. We're an aircraft carrier. We're not, we're not a cruise ship. We're a hospital we're a hospital. We're, we're not a hotel. And you cannot have one as a church without the other. You cannot just grow deep as a body and not grow wide. 
We're not just an insider's church here at Story City Church, and I hope the church that you're a part of as well. We're not just an insider's church where we only focus on those who are here and growing deep. We're also not just an outsider's church. We do focus on our own health and our own vitality and our own walk with Jesus. If you lean one towards the other, then you're lopsided. You walk with the limp. And that's not God's desire for you. That's not God's desire for his church. Can I say to you this morning, I know that you're praying for yourself. I know you're praying for yourself in this season. I know you're praying for your finances. You're praying for your health. You're praying that you would have peace and you wouldn't worry. You're praying for, for, for everything in your life, your financial situation. You're praying your kids won't drive you crazy right now. I know you're praying for yourself. But listen to me, church. But will you pray for your neighbor? Will you pray for your neighbor? Because a city in crisis that's on lockdown needs believers who will pray for those around them. And that's what Paul's requesting us to do. That's what Paul is teaching us here. That's at the top of Paul's prayer list. He wants to put Jesus first. He wants to put the kingdom of God first. He wants to put gospel obligations first. He wants to put gospel circumstances first. He wants to put gospel opportunities first. And Paul is teaching us here that we need to be a church in a time of crisis that watches over our own soul. But we also need to be a church who will pray for the eyes in our city to see hope. A church in a crisis, the city needs us to pray for them. Will you pray for the city? Will you pray for the people around you? In just a moment, I'm going to instruct you to do something very very pointed and very direct as it pertains to this. Now, now, let's listen to the last two verses in this passage. Verse 5. Paul says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Verse 6. Let your conversations be always full of grace, he says. Seasoned with salt that you may know how to answer everyone. There's three words that Paul uses in these two verses, and these three words are intertwined with one another. The first word we see here in verse 5 is wise or wisdom. The second word we see is, is opportunity. And the third word that we see in this passage in verse 6 is grace. Grace makes us different, very simply. Grace makes us different from those we live around who don't know Christ. We demonstrate Grace. Wisdom allows us to see the opportunities that demonstrating grace affords us. That's how these three words are intertwined with each other. Wisdom allows us to see the opportunities that demonstrating grace affords us. Opportunity arises from the wisdom of demonstrating grace. Now listen to me. If you're going to demonstrate grace to those around you, it's going to require that you give more than you take. And that's a difficult directive from Scripture in the culture that we currently live in. Now, I know this is not true for many of you in our church, and I know many of you to be so compassionate and so thoughtful 
towards other people. But overall, in the culture that we live in in 2020, the culture is more about me than it is about someone else. It's a difficult directive to think I'm going to demonstrate grace, and the implication of doing so means I'm going to have to give more than I'm going to take. For many of you, listen, for many of you, it's like repelling. I've never been, well, I have, but not from a really high distance. It's like repelling, or maybe bungee jumping, if you will. You begin the process of repelling, and everything's tight. You check everything. Everything is secure. You double-check it multiple times. Everything is great. And then in that moment, you lean your weight back, and, 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 you, and you fall off a cliff. It's, it's really bananas to me that people would actually do this. Everything is tight and secure. You lean your weight back, and then you fall off of a cliff. But here's the, here's the hinge on all of this. You, you have to trust it. You have to trust this process that everything is tight and everything is secure. And, and this is really the Christian life for so many of us, isn't it? Everything is great and everything is fine as long as life is cruising along and everything is going good. But then there comes a point where God says, I want you to obey me. And when we come to these points, it requires a new level of trust. It requires a new level of faith. And you're going to have to trust Jesus in a brand new way. And I'm praying today that you would begin to step into that trust that God is calling us to in Colossians chapter 4. Because here's why. God just doesn't want us to be a big audience. He doesn't just want us to be a big audience that offers Christian content and Christian services online to people with the privilege of knowing Jesus comes a responsibility that we spread Jesus and tell people about Jesus everywhere. I, I believe it's the most important mission on earth. It's the most urgent mission on earth. And by the way, it's not just my mission. It's not just your pastor's mission of whatever church you're a part of. It's a mission that's rooted in the context of Scripture. It's the church's mission. Here's the third thing our city needs in a time of crisis. Our city needs you to make the most of the opportunity. Our city needs you to watch over your soul. Our city needs you to pray for people that they would have eyes to see hope. But thirdly, our city needs you to make the most of this opportunity. Paul believed that that his calling that he had was a special calling, was a special assignment from God. He says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 25, that he viewed his calling as a special assignment, as a stewardship from God. Paul believed that what he was called to do was his responsibility. He also believed if he didn't do it, it would not get done. Now, do you know that every opportunity in the church is not your opportunity? You know that, don't you? And I hope you don't feel the weight. Every time a pastor says, we need this done, you don't have to feel the weight of every opportunity in the church. Everything that comes along in the church does not have your name on it. Everything that comes along in the church does not have my name on it. But may I say to you this morning, something in the mission of God has your name on it. Something in the mission of God is calling you to be responsible for it, to be obligated to fulfill it, and you're stealing from God without it. There are people in your life. There are people in your life that God has given you to share the hope of Christ. 
There are people that you live around. You have gifts and you have talents that God has given you to share the hope and the message of Jesus. If you saw her Instagram post this week, Lisa Eccles in our church, she's taking what she has, where she is, to introduce people to the hope of Jesus. Paul is asking for prayer here in verses 3 and 4. Why? So that he and so that the church at Colossae would be able to see how they should respond how they're supposed to fulfill those gospel obligations. Take, take a moment to be encouraged by that today. Paul, the greatest missionary ever, is praying that God would make it known to him that he would understand what part of the mission of God he was supposed to fulfill. He's trying to discern, God, what part of the mission do you need me to be a part of? And Paul needed prayer for that. He's asking people to pray for him for that. Do you ever feel that way? Do you you ever, like, God, I know you have a part for me in your church. I know you have a part for me to fulfill in the mission of God. But, God, I'm not just, I'm not sure what it is yet. God, I know you want to use my talents and my abilities and my gifts in the mission of God. But I'm just not sure what part of it is yet. I need that reassurance at times. God, tell me, what should we take on? I've been praying that over three weeks as a church. God, what should we as a church take on? I need that reassurance at times. You need that reassurance at times. The last few weeks have, I've been busy. The last few weeks have been, quite honestly, a bit stressful at times. There's a sense of urgency in my own heart. There's a sense of urgency in our own ministry here in Los Angeles to know that now more than ever, now more than ever, the the world needs a church to be the source of hope. And so it's been great to get texts from many of you and and emails and phone calls from you. And you're asking the same question. You're you're saying it like this. You're saying, how can I help? What can I do? What do people need? How can I serve? Can I help you answer that question today for you specifically? Let me help you answer that question right now in 2020 in the middle of of a crisis while you're safe at home, pastor, how can I help? What can I do to offer hope? And here's how most of us think about this question. You see, when we ask that question, we're thinking about people out there. We're thinking about people in downtown Los Angeles. We're thinking about people out in Riverside. We're thinking about people in Santa Clarita. We're thinking about people somewhere else when we ask that question. But the church, I believe the church has an answer for every need in our city. And it's much more simple than thinking about people out there. Yes, we have to ask that question. Yes, we have to understand broadly as a church, how can we help? But may I say to you this morning, the greatest thing that you can do right now to participate in the mission of God is to be an active believer right where you live. That's the greatest thing you can do. It's the best thing you can do for the mission of God Right now in this season, now that may change in a month, but this is the moment that God has given us. And the best thing you can do to participate in the mission of God is to be an active believer right where you live, in your neighborhood, in your condo unit, in your apartment building. I don't know if you've noticed, but the streets are empty. The sidewalks are full. Every day, people are walking past my house that I've not seen these neighbors in literally five years. 
my daughter put a hopscotch uh, row out. There's like 60 squares. It's crazy. It's hard to finish. And so people come by our house every day, and they're trying to hopscotch. And we've got this one couple who comes by twice a day. In fact, they told me this week, well, it looks like we're going to be here for another three weeks. We'll see you twice a day. And people come by, and I've not seen these neighbors in five years. Can I say this to you? In four weeks, I'll probably never see them again. Do you know what the mission of God needs from me right now? The same thing the mission of God needs from you right now. It's to be an active believer right where I live. There's believers in every single neighborhood in this city, believe it or not. There are believers in every single neighborhood where you live. And I believe if we would be an active believer right where we live, we can meet every need this city has. You've seen the quote from A.W. Tozer. Over the last few weeks, a scared world needs a fearless church. Church, we will never have this opportunity ever again. We will never have this moment ever again. People are receptive to compassion and care and concern. And oh, by the way, this is Easter week. Do you know people have written off Christmas Commercialism has overtaken Christmas. We only host one service on Christmas, even though we normally have two services. People have written off Christmas because of commercialism, but we still have Easter, and people are still tuning in. This is the moment that we are living in. Listen, this is the moment we are living in. People are huddled in their homes. People are are scared, and they're afraid of a virus that could take their life. The fear of death is consuming people's thoughts. The uncertainty of life is on everybody's mind. Right now, people lack the ability to rely on their own strength and their own talents and their own abilities. All of those things are failing people right now. People are dependent on other people right now. People are dependent on the government right now. People are praying right now. People are looking for answers right now. People are questioning their worldview right now. People are questioning the brevity and the meaning of life. This is a moment where people are desperately looking for answers. Eternal answers. These are moments that people normally only ask these questions when Chaos happens and tragedy happens and uncertainty happens and people are asking the questions right now. Listen to me, church. The hope of Jesus makes sense of all of these questions. Paul says, make the most of this opportunity. Can I say to you, this verse was written to the church in April of 2020. This verse was written to the church in April of 2020. So let me close here, and let me just ask the question that you may be asking. So how can I do that, Pastor Matt? How can I do that? Well, number one, can I just say to you, pray? No, no, do the same thing that Paul did. No, seriously, pray. I'm going to lead us to three very specific prayers in just a moment. So if you have something to write with, I want you to write three things down here, and I'm going to be done in just a few minutes. I want you to write three things down, but I'm call- you can pray. Do exactly what Paul called us to do here in verse 3, 4, and 5. Pray. Ask God for the wisdom to be a believer right where you are. So let me close this message. The church that every city needs in a time of crisis by 
asking you to pray these three things. I want you to grab something to write with right now. And here's what I want to literally ask you to do. Literally, I, because sometimes we say, hey, this is the application of everything we've just read in Scripture. And sometimes we say, oh, I'll get to it at some point. I'll, I'll do it on Tuesday. It's my day off. I'll get to it on Friday. Here's what I'm asking of you today. I'm going to give you three things to pray for this morning. And as soon as this live stream ends, close your computer, turn off your phone, gather with your family, gather with your roommate. If you're by yourself this morning, I want to ask you to pray these three things. Number one, take these notes down. Number one, pray for your own soul to be nourished in this season. Pray for your own soul to be nourished in this season. Pray that your fears would be conquered by the life-giving message of the gospel that you're preaching to yourself. Pray for growth and depth in your walk with Jesus. Pray for joy and satisfaction in your relationship with Jesus. Number one, pray for your own soul to be nourished. I'm going to ask you to do it as soon as you close your computer, as soon as this live stream is done in just a couple minutes. Number two, Number two, pray for the hearts and the souls of people in your immediate neighborhood. Pray for the hearts and souls of people in your immediate neighborhood. And here's what I mean. I mean call them by name. Pastor Matt, I don't know their name. Call them by the neighbor on my right, the neighbor on my left, the neighbor in front of me, the person who lives next door in my apartment building. Call them by name. Tony, Lucy, Jeffrey, Kevin, call them by name. Pray that their souls will be hungry for life-giving news. Pray this morning that their hearts would be searching for the answers that only Jesus can give us. As you pray for them, pray that they would verbalize these questions and verbalize these concerns in your presence. Finally, number three, would you pray for an opportunity? Pray for an opportunity. Pray that God would orchestrate a six-foot, socially distanced, face-to-face conversation, phone-to-phone conversation, text-to-text conversation with your neighbors. Pray for the opportunity. Paul says, make the most of the opportunity. Pray exactly as Paul requested in verse 6, that God would give you the wisdom to know how to respond. Now, for some of you, it frightens you because you think, my head and my heart don't know enough. So can I also ask you to pray as you pray for the opportunity? Can I also ask you to pray that your head and your heart would be satisfied to know that you know enough of Jesus to share with somebody else? Finally, this morning, maybe you've been tuning in and maybe you're not a religious person. Maybe you don't normally go to church. Maybe this is really not your thing, but you're looking for hope this morning. Are you looking for hope? Are you looking for a place that's firm, where the foundation is secure, where you can have assurance to know that what's happening around you cannot shake you and cannot affect you? I believe this morning that hope is found in Jesus Christ alone. That's the message that the church has for this season. Put your hope in Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. Depend on Jesus. Maybe you've never come to a point in your life where you've given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never come to a point where you say, Jesus, I know that my sins have separated me from you. But Jesus, this morning, I desire that what you did on the cross will repair and bring unity to my relationship with you. And so, Jesus, this morning, I turn from my sin and I walk in the direction of you. I give you my life this morning.
Will you save me this morning? Nothing magical or mystical about it. Right there, wherever you're seated in your home, in your apartment, in your car, wherever you are, wherever you're watching this morning, you can enter into a relationship with Jesus and you simply have this moment where you confess all of those things to him. You ask him to forgive you of your sin, to invite himself, his presence into your life, to save you, and you admit to him, I'm going to turn and walk with you the rest of the days of my life. We're going to sing a song here and we're going to close out this morning. But if you'd like to know more about trusting your life to Jesus, I just simply want to ask you to take one step and we can help. You can comment in the Facebook feed. You can direct message us. Or you can send us an email at prayer at storycitychurch.com and we would love to help you begin a brand new relationship with Jesus where your hope is secure. The foundation is firm. Let's pray together. God, you're so good to us, Lord. God, in this season where so many need hope, I pray that this morning, at least those who are watching, could rest assured to know that in you and in you alone is hope that is secure and hope that is firm and hope that will never fade. God, this morning, I pray that you would, by the Spirit of the living God, by the Spirit of the living God, would you remind us of the opportunity before us, God, to nourish our souls, to pray for those around us, to have, to have eyes to see hope, and finally, God, to make the most of this opportunity. We'll never have it again, God. Help us to be the church that every city in America needs in time of crisis. Help us to be that church right here in Los Angeles. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.